Dean put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick, down the ground, into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Good evening, everybody. It is Tuesday, the 29th of March, 2022. You are here for the Tiger Town podcast and another week with your host, Zach and Toby. Toby, how are you tonight, mate? Good, mate. Oh, sorry. Let me start that again. Not good, mate. <laughs> That's an appropriate correction, I think. Yeah, I was going to try to sound upbeat, but uh, it's... Uh, yeah, no, internally, I just died inside. So, no, nah, not good. Yeah, I know. It, it starting to get to a point three rounds in where putting the positive spin on certain performances gets harder and harder, doesn't it? I don't know how the West Tigers social media team do it, have or well, have been doing it for the last ten years and then do it day in and day out. I guess you kind of have to, but it gets to a point where you just bullshit, aren't you? Well, I think I think sometimes they uh, they must have gone skipping through a field full, full of dandelions before they write the post at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, and I think that... Oh, close the, one. No, shit. Yeah, yeah, I think the commenters and the pundits let them know just as much. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So we went down to the New Zealand Warriors 16-12 Campbelltown Stadium last Friday evening. Fair bit to unpack from the game. Uh, what's your one or two quick takeaways to start us off? Um, from this, actually, one of my positive takeaways was for the first 20 minutes, I thought we had learnt from Newcastle. We looked quick line speed. You know, we were quite happy to, um, if we, well, our handling was great. Actually, it was more than great. I think we made one error in the second, in the first half, maybe two, if that, um, but yeah, then the second half, we, I don't know what happened to be real honest in that second half. How, how at the back end of a football game, an 80 minute football game, do you not score against a 12 man squad? I don't get it. I don't know. I, I think I said this last week, I'm just lost for words. I, yeah, that's me done. Melbourne was disappointing, right? But we could see some stuff was happening. Yeah. Uh, the Knights game was atrocious, but you can sit back and look at an atrocious performance and go, teams very rarely, Tigers included, turn in atrocious performances for 26 rounds of the, of the season. On Friday, to lose by 12 points, sorry, lose by four points, considering everything that went on in that game, as you said, loss for words is sort of where it, where it's kind of landed. It was a case of, uh, yeah, kind of being speechless and, and flat. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily anger and frustration in some ways, like it often is with the Tigers. It was almost a feeling of, you just don't know anymore. Yeah. You know, if they can't, if they can't get it done in that type of situation with all the pressure on them, where are we going? Not only this year, but, uh, it was just a, it was a really sad indictment 
in terms of where they may have worked on things over the offseason? Because surely situations like that are, as a few of the commentators have come out during the week and mentioned, they're things that you literally train for on multiple occasions. Yep. Off-season particularly and mid-season. You, you train for situations whereby when players are down, um, you work to those sides and you utilise that advantage as best you can. Yeah, and we, we looked... Scared and confused is probably the best way I can put it. We didn't know what to do. We had no direction, no control. And, you know, unfortunately, it does go back to team management. And while he wasn't, like, he was mostly good for that game, Brooksy, but when we needed him to stand up, he didn't. And this is the story time and time again. I'm not putting all the blame on Brooks. He didn't have the forwards pushing forward. He had them giving away stupid errors, stupid penalties. But it just summed up the way he reacts to those situations with that pass in our own 20 to no one. He was trying to create something out of nothing when really we needed to work through our sets because I think there was still five minutes to go in the game. Yeah, that one I think was getting down towards the end. Was that when Gildart dropped it? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. I think that was in the last two or three. But, yeah, there was still time on the on the clock, obviously. But at that point, the horse had bolted in many ways. They'd been down the other end and had, I think um, Paul Kent was saying uh, earlier in the week on 360 that we had 17 tackles down their end. And we went to the Montoya's side twice after he got sent off. 17 tackles. That's like, every every piece of three full sets of six. Like, that's the thing. I mean, that's what your main playmaker does. He works that side, works that side. Like, he might drag in the defense to the left for the first two or three, and then you work to that open side. But Brooks panics, and he panics, and he doesn't think clearly. He just, you know... We always say, like we've been saying it now for the last three episodes, his best game is when he plays what's in front of him. And that's true. But we need somebody, if he's if that's his best game, we need somebody is the cool, calm head to direct it when we need it. And it looked like that's what Hastings was doing for the first two games. He was trying to be that little bit of a cool, calm, directional to Brooks's play up and see what you and play what you see. And I thought honestly. Uh, if it was maybe if he had a bit more experience and a bit more confidence behind him, Jock Madden actually didn't play that bad. I think Jock Madden actually did lead the team around quite well. And I think he probably would have if he had a little bit more confidence. But Brooks has eight years in the game. Like that's your, your confidence, like, or your experience should not be, um, should should play a part here. And it just didn't. And I don't know, like, I am honestly at a loss for words. I just think that, look, put a bomb to the place and start again. That's it. We're done. Yeah, what are we, six minutes into the podcast? 
Yeah, absolutely flying. <laughs> I know, right? I know. You know, we're not really giving much uh, positivity out there, but that's the uh, way we are now. Like, look, I'm I'm not um, I'm not in the same Vladimir Putin mode as what you might be at the minute. <laughs> well, but good. let me um, let me say that obviously those feelings are understood, and there's a lot of supporters out in multiple media outlets who are singing very much the same tune. And I think, I don't think, I know it comes from a place of frustration and uh, emotional connection to the side. And we've spoken before about how West Tigers um, supporters are, I won't say they're unique because I'm sure it is the same across different supporter bases, but they, the ones that actually buy in, they, they wear this team pretty close on their, on their sleeve and they wear their emotions pretty closely tied to the team and the team's performances. Um, and I, I know I can speak, um, you know, hand on heart that I'm, I'm right in that mix. Um, but so to the point of, of um, you know, sort of those types of, of comments about blow the place up, you can see where it's coming from because how long have we spoken about try this, try that. Okay. Uh, here is a new combination Okay, we've got a different centre pairing. Okay, the second rowers are in form. Here we go. Oh, this forward pack looks good on paper. This might be a turning point. Uh, this person will be a great foil for Brooks. And it just time and time and time and time and time and time again, it leads us back to the same spot. And it does, doesn't it? It just, it ends up putting you in a place where it's pretty difficult not to just do exactly as you said and put a bomb under it. It's just so, a day, time and time again. It is, yeah. And there's only so long that you can keep deflecting and keep looking for excuses and all that sort of stuff. Um, look, it, the weekend was hard because it's it was both a blessing and a curse in the way that Brooks played for some reason, for some reasons. Um, and I think that he didn't actually have a bad game. The problem was the game panned out that it essentially fell on a game manager style half an experienced style half that had to guide and should have guided his team home. That's just the way that the game played out. Mm. And we all know that's not his forte. And unfortunately, whether it's your forte or not champion, you are the person in the hot seat. And so that's going to give your critics a tremendous amount of leverage. Despite the fact, other than that, he played a, a he played a, a quite a good game. Yeah. Like he would have won us the game if Dane Lauren knew how to catch a ball. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the other thing. The difficult thing about it as well, um, you know, who kicked for um, Luch? I think that was Brooks as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it's tricky because we aren't having these conversations if two of those three go through. Maybe if one of those three go through, um, and by three I'm referring to uh, the other opportunity we dropped with Stafford Tower five meters out from the line. Uh, where he fumbled the ball, fumbled the pass with the line wide open, and then Reese Walsh came through and collected him about a metre out. Had he caught that clean, that's a try in the corner every day of the week. Yeah. Um, and so back to Brooks briefly, it's hard because <laughs> he he both had a good game. He set up multiple opportunities that should have been taken, that should have won us the game. But because those weren't taken and he was put in a position where the game then relied on him at the crunch time to uh, sort of engineer the side to victory, which most halves should have. Um, 
his teammates sort of put him in that position, but he should have been good enough to be able to execute. And by execute, we don't mean necessarily set up a try, but by golly, at least look like you have the footy smarts to be able to uh, engineer plays at the uh, impromptu weakness on the other team when they've got a, a player down. You've got a winger out, the whole side shifting across. You're running plays at that side. You you maybe are kicking to that corner because there's a centre filling in on the wing. They don't know their positional play too well. You're going to go uh, a two-man or an inside-out ball out in that centre-second-row combination. You're going to throw things at them is the point. Yeah. Um, and that's where he's a victim. <laughs> it's just the story of luckless Brooksy in a lot of ways because had his teammates done their job and not put Vasso on their hands, he's not copping it. Yeah, and that that's 100% true. Like, don't get me wrong. But if he had have continuously gone to those sides and, you know, created those plays and managed the team the way it should, regardless of the outcome, we would be sitting here going, Brooks did everything he could and did everything right. The rest of the team just did not pull their weight. And right. while the rest of the team did not pull their weight, he still didn't do anything that is required of a game, game management half. He, and you talk about experience, the bloke's coming up on 200 games. Uh, as a halfback. As a halfback, exactly. Yeah. Like he's yeah, had that's... a couple off the bench, but, you know, the majority of it has been at the halfback position and starting halfback. And as whether you're a game managing half or not, you know, um, if you've played 200 games as a starting halfback, regardless of whether you're a runner or you're a passer or you're a kick first or you're a manager or you're whatever the case may be, you're it, buddy. In those situations, you're the man. And that's that's why I jump on it enough Brooks Island. I think he has good games, but he has good games when we're going well. He doesn't know how to handle it when we're not. When things are stacked up against us, he folds like a house of cards almost every time. And, you know, it's a high-pressure situation. It's, um, you know, you're watched by hundreds of thousands of people. On uh, in the stadium and at home, and you know maybe it gets to him a bit, but mate, if you're getting paid nine hundred thousand dollars a year, go see a bloody shrink or something to fix it because you're getting more than enough to uh, get yourself through it. You see, if he was forty games into his career and that type of game played out, yeah, if he was dropped, you well, yeah, even even a, a couple of seasons as starting halfback, take it back to twenty fifteen for example. You know, 2015 Brooks in that situation, you could say, well, that's a learning experience, right? Yep. And you can say, okay, he'll go away from that game and the coaches will be, will sit down with him and go, right, we stuff that up royally. But guess what? It's a learning opportunity. We'll get the games like that again. And this is what we're going to do next time. And here's how we're going to do it. And a smart player takes that on board, goes and does some more study themselves and makes sure that they don't make the same mistakes again. Yes. That's the issue with Brooks. I love Brooks. I know and I think, I, think, I think he's one hell of a footballer. But, and that loss on the weekend is not entirely on his shoulders, but it should have been on his shoulders to win and he couldn't get it done. No. So, so the loss is entirely on his shoulders, but the win should have been. Yep. And, and that, is a it's, a it's a distinction with a slight difference, but it's an important one. And 
those are exactly the reasons that certain people have been calling for his head for the longest time. It's those types of things that, like it or lump it, your main playmaker has to be able to do, regardless of the type of player he is or where his strengths lie. Especially if he's getting paid $900,000 a year. You know, we put enough money behind him to think he is quality. Yeah, it's big money. To think he is a quality half. And don't get me wrong, three years ago, he was bench the best of an average bunch. Let's say that. You know, he was the halfback of the year. And even then, yeah, it's probably pushing it a little bit. But, like, you need to be able to take those sort of situations and run with them. You know, you're not always going to be the Cooper Cronks, the Thurston's, Andrew Johns, and that's fine. But you think about halfbacks who are, in my eyes, probably second string, but they're starting halfbacks. Chad Townsend, for one. He's won a premiership, but he's won a premiership because he just had to manage a game. That's all he had to do. And then when he had to run, he did. He just knew what he had to do in that moment. He didn't have to be flashy. He didn't have to be anything, but he knew what he needed to do for the team. That's Brooks doesn't realize what he needs to do for the team. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very happy. I'll, I'll be very happy to be honest. And this is pro- this will probably change if he has a good game this week. For that contract to to run out, I think we need to part ways. Well, yeah, I don't think you're alone in that regard. Um, but what do you the think? Like the, you are a very much uh, advocate for Brooks. Do you yeah. think we can still get the best out of him for us, or do you think both of us need a change? I think he needs mentorship. I think that it's a crime that either Cooper Cronk, Brett Kamali, Andrew Johns, James Maloney, Benji Marshall, Scott Prince. One of these wasn't employed by the Tigers six or seven years ago. Not Maloney because he was playing, but one of these guys wasn't employed um, six or seven years ago, three or four years ago, sometime in the past on on a salary basis to basically one-on-one mentor Brooks alone. The fact that that hasn't happened to me, because there's so much talent in, I was about to say kid, he's not a kid. There's so much talent in that bloke and you can see it. You could see it when he burst onto the scene. You could see it. Some of the things he would do with Teddy was because they had this sixth sense in terms of how things would work. And when the passes stuck, which is obviously always um, an important metric that we just can't seem to buy uh, a, cat, a court ball at the moment. It was, um, it was very instinctual. So I think a lot of his shortcomings are um, essentially that he's not so much a student of the game or he hasn't shown himself to be a student of the game, somebody who can learn from him, his mistakes. I think he's a very instinctual footballer and I think he's quite talented um, in terms of just genetically and, and growing up playing. But that's... <laughs> I'll say welcome to professional football. You've been there for 200 games, mate. You know more about it than me. But yeah, um, the the ability to continually learn is something that I haven't seen him show the capacity to do. Benji was a perfect example of it. Benji almost got rendered reasonably useless 
when his flashy play and his electric sidestep started to slow down in his mid twenties. Um, and so he had to come back and reinvent himself when he came back from his stint with um, the Auckland Blues in Union. And he, as much as he wasn't perfect, he brought himself into being that game managing half and he became a student of the game again and it prolonged his career by X amount of years. Yeah. And he was playing in a South Sydney team in a grand final last year. Yeah. You know, he, he showed the capabilities of somebody who had talent coming through who is very instinctual, who is very off the cuff. And that's how they burst onto the scene, being able to put that aside once it no longer worked. This is what Brooksy lacks, in my opinion. Because if he has the capacity to do it, I'm sure he's invested. He loves the club. He loves football, from what you can tell. So I would assume he would be invested to do it. So why the hell aren't the club putting everything possible around him to get the most out of him? And if at that point they've invested two years of one-on-one coaching with him with one of the all-time great halfbacks to try to try to teach him the weaknesses in his game and it still isn't working then you go rodeo we tried we invested in him it's not he's not where we want him to be we're going to let as you said let the contract expire we're going to go in a different direction thanks for all you've done for the club mate best of luck yeah but correct correct me if i'm wrong but Kamali did work with Moses and with Brooks because Kamali was the under twenties coach, and he there's stories and pictures of him mentoring them. Yeah, I'm sure there was bits and pieces, obviously, that he did. But he was the head coach of that junior, um, of the juniors at the time, right? Yeah. And a head coach can only do so much. I'm talking about intensive one-on-one mentorship, one to two days a week, out of training. You're doing eight to ten hours one-on-one work or six to, six to eight hours one-on-one work. I'm, I'm talking something that is completely over the top outside of regular coaching that they've received because the regular coaching clearly isn't enough. You, you know, if you take, if you go back, even say two to three years, so post, was it 2018 he got Dalian? Halfback? Uh, tw- I think it's 2018. 2018. It was, yeah. yeah. So you go 2019, right? Off the back of that. And... At the time, Andrew Johns was maybe with Para doing some halves coaching. If not, he was floating around. Yeah, uh, I think he did a little bit with Manly as well before he settled at Newcastle this year. Yeah, hire Andrew Johns. <laughs> if Luke Brooks is inconsistent, but you know he's good enough to keep to keep there, why don't you hire one of the best halfbacks that we've, or the best halfback in my opinion that you've seen in the last twenty-five to thirty years to come and mentor him one-on-one? Pay the money in investing your products, investing your talent. This is a thing that Tigers just aren't doing. And, and it could start to lead us into another discussion about if we look at our potential young gun kids in our squad at the moment, and if you want to look back to something else about Brooksy, then go for your life. But no. um, just a bit of a tangent at the minute. You look at the guys in our top 30 at the moment, or even a couple of our flag names, but probably more so the ones that have been around the team for the last say two to three years. Um, how many of them could you say have absolutely shot ahead in leaps and bounds? I'd say there's one. His name's Stefano Utoikamano. I was going to say, if you think, if you we're thinking the same person, which is Steph, I, I agree yeah. that he has, but I also agree that uh, something's definitely happened uh, in terms of um, this year and Steph. I think... I've seen Steph go backwards, to be honest, a little bit. Um, 
And oh, I, look, he, he had a big breakout year last year, right? And the team started really poorly. And he's probably just a little bit of a victim of that. Week yeah. one, I think he ran for 112 metres against Melbourne, one of the best packs in the league, albeit missing a bromage or two, but they still had a big pack. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle was his shocking game where he ran for 48-odd metres. But I think his minutes were down from memory. And then last week, he did his ankle. So he didn't get the chance to finish his stint. I actually thought last week against the Warriors was one of his stronger performances. Yep. And so, yeah, he's been a bit slow to start the year. Um, I I don't disagree with you there. I don't know about him being going backwards. Like, it's the same with Dane. To me, three, three games is not enough to say someone has regressed in their talent. I think people can start out of form or start flat or have a bad start. You know what I mean? Dane's a different story in my eyes. Like, I think yeah. I probably, I probably spoke when it comes to Steph and saying he's gone backwards. I think he's just not where he was when he finished last year. Um, and that could just be him finding his feet in the game again. Um, obviously, the offseason is quite long for Tigers fans be, or yeah. Tigers players because we don't really play many games after round 25. Um, many, many. <laughs> Sorry, any. No, well, you know, they, they could play uh, the All-Stars games. Who knows? Um, but Dane, for me, I think that is a very clear indicator that that is the perfect example of either second-year syndrome or going backwards because, honestly, he's a shadow of the player he was last year. He really is. And I'm saying that as a bloke who thinks he's, a, like, he could be something. But he's, whether it is, um, you know, coming back from that injury and he's again still finding his feet, I don't think it's that. I've watched him run and he looks like he's pretty free with the way he's running and everything like that. He still runs at the line really hard, don't get me wrong. But his positional play is nowhere. His support play is nowhere. And his hands have let him down time and time again. And that's going backwards and probably not from a skill set, but definitely from a confidence perspective. Oh, no doubt. No doubt in the confidence department. I agree with you on the positional play. I'm really disappointed with how he started the year in terms of his positioning. That's one. That was one area of his game last year that was was quite poor because I don't know how much fullback he's played. I know he played a bit of 5'8", growing up as far as I'm aware, and I'm sure he's played fullback here and there, but obviously first-grade fullback positional play is super important. We were actually impressed, I think, in the second trial uh, and somewhat the Melbourne game about an showing some improvements in his support play. And I think that is slowly improving. I think that's a little bit better than last year because last year it was non-existent, right? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree about his positional play. It's it's really, really bad. Um, and and in, in terms of his hands, well, his hands isn't a coaching issue, is it? His hands uh, form and confidence, like you said. And sometimes, as you well know, some days you just got the dropsies. Um, I... I'm hoping that his stuff is a bit of an aberration and that we see him come out and have a good game. Mm. Um, Part of me is hoping it. Part of me is thinking that he will have a good game. I think he's got it in him and he showed it in him last year to be a very solid option at the back. Um, And that's probably the, one of the worst handling games we've seen him play. Yeah. Uh, And, and the fact that the errors were so costly, right. Um, You know, losing the ball over the line for what would have been the match winner and misjudging the jump for the bomb 
that oh, yeah. they're, they're yeah. second try, you know. So you notice it so much more because they are costly. And I think there was a third one where you we know, were attacking. Oh, yeah, yeah, we were attacking on a on a uh, on a block play. Yeah, and he dropped it cold in that ten minutes. Yeah, that we were trying to press for yeah, for um, a result. For your side. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so um, I don't. Yeah, I don't disagree. He's definitely started the year pretty average, eh? Um, but I think, I think there's that, enough in him. Oh, I hope you're right. I hope you're right that he's definitely still got that potential that we saw last year. But it will get to the point where if he has another poor game, he needs to be dropped to New South Wales Cup to get that confidence back. We don't disagree. Yeah. What'd you say, Zara? I just said I don't disagree. No, no. I think um, I think that's the only way he's going to get his confidence back is to, you know, either show up and play with a, set, a team that wants to play as well and just play off the back of that and, you know, have fun with his footy or to go down to the lower grades and play against players who are probably below his standard and basically run amok. That's the only thing I can think of. And, you know, if that does happen um, and we, you know, and whoever replaces him does a worse job. At least we know that he's the best of what we have. Yeah. I've got no doubt he is the best fullback in the club at the moment. Um, I think that our biggest, our biggest problem at the moment is it's really easy when you are a club that's going well and you're a healthy club to be able to take a potential talent and drop them to reserve grade to sharpen their skills, right? So they could afford to let Melbourne, they could afford to let Harry Grant sit in Q Cup for the Sancho Coast Falcons for a couple of years to ply his trade because they had Cameron Smith and Brandon Smith playing hooker. Yeah. Our problem is that we've got these potential kids, I keep saying kids, these, these potential young players. But because our squad is so ass weak, we have to almost play them because they're the best players of what we've got. Yeah, that's true. So they're having, so they're having to learn on the run. So either we roll out a bunch of nuffies and keep these guys playing, um, not Q-Cup, but playing reserve grade and give them the time that they need and take the bitter pill of fielding average sides for two to three years, which no one can handle at the moment because it's the results-driven business, right? That, that's our catch-22. At, catch <laughs> at the end of the day, it should have happened because we haven't had great seasons anyway, so... Well, the other, the other side of the, yeah, and the other side of the coin as well is that when our guys would have been getting that time over the last two years, COVID. Yeah, no New South Wales Cup. That's true. And when we're, we're not the only club, obviously, that's been affected by that. All clubs are affected, but our club is in that unique position whereby we had a swathe of talented young players coming through that needed that bit of extra development right at the time when it hit. Other clubs might have had one or two. But yeah. they might have had a healthier roster. That was actually what our, um, our, I guess, not our approach to blood them, but we were looking at trying to uh, get some gun young kids to recruit, and we needed that to help us out, that being that experience during those last couple of years. And so it hasn't been ideal for our particular club because of that particular circumstance. Yeah. No, that's so. Cool. Didn't think of that. So some of the names that we're thinking, right? So we've got... In terms of players under, say, 20, 22, 23 that have come through, that are in the squad, it's talking about um, without making 
progressive advancement. So I'll stick by Steph getting better. He had a cracking year last year, three games. Yeah, he's been flat. Now he's injured. Yep. Um, but he came from Parramatta as somebody who played a game or two off the bench. And now he is the first forward picked in our squad. Yep. Um, so no doubt he's progressed. Dane, I think, had quite a good last year, year last year. And he came out, out of Penrith. Yeah. And he came out of Penrith having played what one game on the wing, maybe two. Yep. Um, so no doubt last year he'd improved. This year again, started flat. Seems to be a bit of a, an issue in the team. But we go through some of the others. So Tuki Simpkins, he's now been in, I think this is his third year. Might only be his second. He's only his second. Okay. Yeah. In our system. Um, promising. Played a handful of games of first grade at the start of last year. Uh, and hasn't been cited so far this year. He's been an extended squad. So I don't think he's where they were hoping he would be. Uh, Jake Simpkin. Simpkin came with all the raps in the world and all the confidence in the world. He looks to me like a player, albeit he's 20 years old, right? Yeah. So it's easy to forget how young Jake is. In four years, he'll be Harry Grant's age. And Harry Grant's been playing well for two years at most. Like, yeah. You know? Um, so he's got time, but he looks like a player to me that's had all the uh, natural instinct coached out of him. So he's just being told to do this, do this job, do your job well, go and do it. So I can't say that Simpkin has exactly kicked on. Um, I don't have the squad in front of me, but I might just pull it up just so I don't miss anybody. Uh, who else can you think of off the top of your head? That hasn't... Or that well, just, hasn't just players, that, players that just fall into that younger, um, that younger group. Here we go. So Asu Kapoa, AJ Kapoa, came here with actually pretty decent raps from Roosters. They didn't want to lose him, but they did because of Sonny Bill. Yep. That cap dispensation. And it was a fair gun junior from memory. Well, yep. shocking hands on the wing for the best part of a season. And then he goes and does his ACL last year after playing a pretty impressive first half of game at centre. Yep. And then he does his peck in the offseason. So we don't know with AJ yet. Um, who we got next? Jock Mad. So Jock's been uh, Australian schoolboys halfback, come out of the Newcastle system. Big raps for a while. Been in our system for a good couple of years now. I think he's done. I think this is. I think this is his third year. Yep. Uh, and a lot of good judges um, have got fair raps on him. I haven't been super impressed. He hasn't blown me away, but particularly the game on the weekend, I think that he's slowly coming along. But he most certainly hasn't demanded selection, has he? No. That being said, I think he was um, Canterbury Cup Player of the Year, whether it was uh, whole comp or just West Tigers, I can't remember, but in the shortened competition last year. So he, he was doing well down there. He was he was whole, uh, Canterbury Cup Player or the New South Wales Cup Player of the Year, I think, for us. But that's in a team that was running second before the, can the season got canned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, Tommy Talia, injury aside, he has been a really slow burn. Ooh, he was one yeah. He was one that people were talking about, you know, being a gun lock in centre for us for 10 years. And whilst he had been okay, again, he wasn't setting the world on fire. Now, is that because that he was overhyped because we had weak squads and we were trying to, uh, I guess, talk up the prospects that we did have? Possibly. But I wouldn't say that he's exactly kicked on in leaps and bounds. No. William Key. Tore it up in Parramatta Juniors. 
came across to us hasn't so much as been named in an extended squad. Hasn't even had a look in. Yeah. Reese Hoffman went to the Bulldogs. Same thing. He used to play for Gold Coast Sea, Gold Coast Seagulls, Tweed, sorry, Seagulls. He pulled him out of Q Cup as a development player. Yep. Uh, he got a game on the wing yeah. and got absolutely embarrassed. I think it was BJ's centre that day? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was BJ. And BJ being BJ made him look foolish on the wing. Yep. Um, because he didn't work together. So never seen again. And now he's off to the Bulldogs and we probably won't hear from him ever again, Reese Hoffman. No. You can go into CFAR. Now, CFAR possibly might be one that you could argue has, uh, I wouldn't say exactly kicked on or caught fire, but we've seen improvement in him. Would you agree? 100%. 100%. I think he's still got those, more of those lazy inside runs. Like he definitely gets caught out every once in a while, not as often as he did at, I guess, at the start of last year. He was definitely not great in terms of people picking him out in terms of those inside runs. But yeah, he definitely gets a bit lazy around the ruck. So, uh, not that he's that young, but Luke Garner's been at the club for uh, a number of years now. Yeah, I think he's three years. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say he is exactly kicked on too well. Garner is solid and he did actually a reasonably admirable job on the weekend. Admirable in the centers. Uh, but he's a second row, obviously, isn't he? So we expect him to own that spot as a starting second row for our club for a couple of years now. And he simply hasn't done it. I think he's one of those players that works reasonably well when attacks going well, he runs a good line, but I don't think he is the solid presence that we had needed on the edge. Sean Bloor, big raps, talked up his, his leadership ability, had one of the most memorable debuts uh, in recent time for the Tigers, smacking Nathan Brown three times in a row. Yeah, it was great. And everybody, everybody knew his name. Yep. And then since then, other than being a really effective defender, which he is, I wouldn't exactly say that he has forced himself to be picked. Now, obviously, he's out now. Um, done his ACL, so hopefully we'll see him next year. But again, is it bad luck? Is it lack of development? What is going on with these uh, juniors that are coming through and not forcing their way into being um, first-grade stars? Do we just not have the talent? Are they Were they overhyped, this particular bunch? What's going on there? Um, it's probably a mixture of things, to be honest. Maybe, you know, I think there's a huge, uh, I guess, overhype when it comes to players, regardless of who's talking about them. I think if you, I'm talking about media, obviously, people will say one thing because they've had one good game and then you'll have, you know, an Andrew Johns or a Brad Fittler saying, I've seen him come up through the grades. He's really impressed me. And because those guys have so much notoriety, people are like, oh, we've got to listen to everything this guy says. And then we need to, you know, exact, like pretty much expand on that and blow it up and, you know, make it bigger than it is. Like these, you know, these kids are probably really, really good at if under 20s or two out of cup was still around, but we all remember what that was like. Basically, everyone was a turnstile in terms of defense. It was all about attack, attack, attack. Mm. Um, but when you I'll look- add one to that list I forgot to mention. Who's that? Tom McKayley. 
Perfect example. Yeah. I think, honestly, you, you've got to think about the person that's blooded these guys as well. And we all know who that is. Mm. Um, did he blood them too early? Did he have a choice in the matter, et cetera? Well, that, that's irrelevant. What needs to be proven is can Madge actually blood these players properly and can Madge get the best out of them? And again, I said this last week, something's not working there anymore and we need to uh, cut our losses. So let's say let's say that the club has decided that that's the case and that we need a new coach. Yeah. How how do they do it? From here, it's round four. What do they do? Well, basically it's got to come down to something needs to change fast. Or we basically we're we're pretty close to writing off 2022 anyway. We go, all right, 2022 is a write-off. We need to look for somebody that's going to build. And I feel like I say this every four years, but we need somebody that's ready to build this club and our vision. And then at the same time, while he's done amazing things from a financial perspective, Justin Pascoe needs to go because it all starts from the top. I know he. they say he has nothing really to do with football operations, but if you're a CEO of a football club, you have a say and you have... Um, power in terms of what happened and who knows like it could be his influence that's causing a lot of this stuff to happen i mean he it could be his influence that's causing madge not to get the best out of his players who knows but those two need to go those two need to understand that they've done what they can with the tigers and madge hasn't achieved what he wanted you know move on try to just focus on the kiwis and you know win the world cup or whatever and pasco go find a job in a bank or something as a ceo who knows but because he is obviously good with finance, he's good with generating business. That's there's no two ways about that. He's he, I say he, under his guidance, the club has turned into um, something of a reasonably decently well run financial club, exactly. And that's what I'm They're saying. They're now turning a profit, they've secured all the funding for the center of, center of excellence. They've, in that regard, right, he's actually done a remarkable job which pains yeah. me to say it because as you said, the, the problem is he's also in charge of by default, a club that has a football team and yeah. the football team has been shit house for before his time, but it certainly is not getting any better. So like it, like it or not, the results have to extend, as you said, not only to the head coach, but to the person who is connected to the club or the link man between the financial side of the club and the performance side of the club, which is him. No, hundred percent. And, you know, obviously we have a CFO, we have somebody that's in control of the finances, but for me, that sounds like Pasco's game, stay in charge of the finances, maybe move to a CFO and have a CEO run the company the way it should be run. I'll run the club the way it should be run because something just isn't working and it hasn't worked for the better part of a decade now. And, you know, Pasco wasn't there a decade ago, so it's not anything loving him back then. And like you said, he's definitely, I think we're now one of three profitable clubs in Sydney. I think that's it. I think the roost isn't possibly Parramatta or the others that are profitable. Oh, actually, probably Penrith. 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 Yeah. Yeah, Penrith go quite well. Yeah. Um, so one of four. So he's mm. done remarkably well. 
That's there's no doubting that. But those like, thank God we have a center of excellence because you know we're winning so many games. We need to celebrate it. Like yeah, people are joking. It should be called the center of mediocrity. Yeah, and that's the truth. I mean, why, why are we not putting his head on chopping block? Like, at the end of the day, he manages the coach. Madge needs to take responsibility for not getting the best out of his players. But, you know, like with any business, if your main man isn't performing that you hide, that you put your um, your salt behind, you need to take accountability as well. Yeah. Yeah, you do. That's the reason a captain goes down with the ship. That's right. Um, right. So we've picked apart Brooks. <laughs> we've picked yeah. apart the performer. We've picked apart the junior squad. We've picked apart the CEO. Tell me something, and I refuse to believe that there's nothing out of it, even though it feels like it. There's a hell of a lot more to me positives out of the weekend's game than what there was Newcastle. It was, yeah, it was so much. It was so much more frustrating against the Warriors. Yep, but um, I think there were some positives. Hundred percent. I think that first half was a whole positive. I think. What did you like? Line speed. You watched yeah. that, and you said this to me. You said it on the pod last week, not just to me, but to everyone, that there's going to be one person that you reckon will stand up, and he did. James Tarmel led from the front, mm. not in the face of everyone he could. He was buggered by the end of it. Like, he was done. He was yep. like, I am about to collapse on this ground. But that's what you want. You yep. want people to give it everything they've got until they feel that like they can't go any further and then just give a little bit extra. That's it. If you can come off that field and like feel like you, you and I both played rugby league and you know that feeling of when you give it everything you have, I can't fathom how every single player who is getting paid to play a game that we love doesn't have that. Like you have a look at um, what's his name? Oh, I'm trying to remember who was on it. Who was their left second row? Not ours. Two. Yeah, Seifarth. Seifarth. Safarth gave it a crack, but there were just times I saw him walking. And I'm just, I don't know. I, I just, I get frustrated, like watching from the outside, looking in people that just seem to not care. But Tamiya didn't do that. Tamiya wanted to lead from the front, wanted to show what everyone had. And Steph followed alongside him. As soon as those two went off the field, as soon as they went off the field, everything, it looked like the whole attitude changed. Mm. And that's frustrating. I mean, that shouldn't happen. I mean, that's... A, you know... Sorry, you go. No, I was just going to say, that's another thing that frustrates me, and I'm going to bag on Brooks again. That's another thing that frustrates me about Brooks. How quiet he is. I never see him yelling at players, ever. You look at Andrew Johns back in his heyday, he was telling everyone where to go. That 2005 state of origin when he came back and absolutely destroyed Queensland, he was pointing at every person on that on the field with a Blues jersey and telling them what to do and screaming at them. You look at Cooper Cronk. He is apparently the nicest guy you've ever met on, on, in your life. But if you play in the same team as him and you don't do your job, you hear about it. Yeah. That's what a game manager does. But he's quiet and he doesn't want to. And I'm like, well, then... Mate, go play in the Super League because I'm sure you'll do fine over there. Yeah, so back to positives. Um, Sorry. I, <laughs> I, keep, I keep hijacking these and going to the negatives. <laughs> well, it's it's understandable. It's easy to do. 
Uh, I was actually impressed by a number of things. Firstly, I like Little's return and his impact. Yeah. He, he has grown into this year being a player that really does a terrific job at getting our forwards over the advantage line. And it was really clear in the momentum swing and the length of our sets when he wasn't there. And as far as I read, he was actually due to come back on, but there, because we had a couple of injuries, there was a mix up with our interchange, which meant that we couldn't get little back on for Simkin. So Simkin had to play out the game, which was another debacle that happened and, yeah. and worked against us a little bit, obviously of our own doing somewhat, but so very impressed with that. I like, I'm, I'm glad that Little's back in the team moving forward because I think at the moment he's offering more than what Simkin is and we're both big fans of, of Jake. Yeah. Um, so really happy with that. As you said, the line's been, um, I'm really happy with, with Tom Howe's, uh input. I think if he does that every week, that's him doing his job. That's why we signed him up, lead from the front. That's the best way you can show leadership champ is you give us 23 minutes to that, come back on for another stint later in the game. And that's what this club needs out of you. Whether or not that gets the results, didn't last weekend, but that's about all he could have done is what he did last week. The, the most promising thing was, I think, when we scored our first try and we got back behind the line, they, the cameras panned on him and he's sitting there in the huddle screaming at everyone, pointing at them. Again, mm. doing what a captain needs to do. Look, yeah. he didn't stand up last year and that's fine. He was probably still adjusting to... Um, Shit club. <laughs> shit club but also adjusting <laughs> to the new rules and everything like that that's fine but he's obviously gone away and he's worked on himself and now he is ready to lead from the front you know what make him make him the sole captain again like that's this five captains crap like he is the epitome of what i want in the captain is leading from by example but then also getting in the face and getting everyone ready to go for that next set yeah it's just yeah but so those two, I thought, were quite positive. Um, and I think that that brought about energy with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, which, which was, yeah, which was pleasing. The To be honest, the defence was pretty good. Now, I know the Warriors weren't great, but they've got some strike in that side. Mm. Sean Johnson obviously wasn't there, but Walsh offers quite a bit. He tore us to shreds last year. Yeah. And they only managed to try, or two tries, sorry, from Nofaluma running backwards, not jumping and spilling a bomb, which happened to jump, fall into their hands. And then obviously Dane Laurie's complete air swing. Yep. That's the only only, re, only way that they scored points. So, you also watched that and I watched this, I watched the replay and I watched that not for try. What led to that was piss poor defense from Gildard again. Hmm. So they got to that, They the I think two or three plays prior to that, Gildart rushed in again when he didn't have to. There was no need for it. Brooks had the guy covered, but he came in to try to support Brooks. Didn't stay on his man, created the overlap. They made the break. Then they put a settler in the middle. The next one, they put a bomb up and they scored. The reason that they were in that end was because of piss poor defense from Gildart. Mm. So, yeah, he's well, a work in progress in that department, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. And that's... I'm getting sick of these work in progresses. <laughs> I want someone yeah. to come in and do their job. Yeah, I know. Speaking of coming uh, and do the job, Jimmy's back this week and I'm being impressed with him, so I'm happy about that. Jimmy, Jimmy the Fallon. Oh, Jimmy Roberts. Sorry. Um, Jimmy, where's the gold? 
That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, look, James Roberts was another last year that was average and he had a promising start this year and hopefully he can continue it. It it will be good to, in some ways, and look, we're under no illusions that this is a gun back line, but I think it, it on its day can be a decent back line, but it's the best that we've got in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. And so I'm actually kind of di- disappointed that Stafford Tower uh, missed out, but I've got a sneaking suspicion that one of either Mamalo or Roberts won't be quite right and he might actually slide his way in because um, Toa, I forgot to mention before, I, I was really impressed with him. He did a really good yeah, job. He was really good under the high ball. Really. Yeah. yeah. And he just, he looked solid. He looked, uh, he yeah, looked engaged. He looked like he, he wanted to be there. So he's a, he's a natural center, Stafford Toa. Um, so- Come fullback as well, I think. Possibly. Actually, I have been reading that. I have been reading that people are calling for yeah. his head in terms of Toa. So he was actually signed in the off season primarily because there was a concern there was no backup fullback option for Dane. Yeah. And so whilst he's not an out and out fullback, I don't think I think he has played some fullback. And so I think that's one of the one of the other reasons why they picked him. But um, yeah, so it's it'll be good to have those guys back. Um Ken Mamalo, different type of player, obviously to Stafford Toa, but Kenny's one of the few guys that has started the year pretty well, with the exception of a couple of drops in that um, Knights game. Oh, a couple of really crucial drops, but but yeah, yeah. But we was, we miss was, we miss his carriage, his yeah, carries out of solid at the back end of last year. I'll get wrong. Yeah. yeah. So. So yeah, it'd be good to have that back line there, which effectively, as far as I'm aware, would have been the back line. Bar Hastings that we would have trained with for the majority of the off season. Yep. So hopefully that brings a little bit of cohesiveness back. Um, there seems to be that conscious effort to get a lot of early ball out to our centers in our second rows, which is really pleasing to me. That that is one thing that I've definitely noticed, and it's something that was a bit of a slight on game plans last year. And it's clear as day that they're trying to get early ball to Luch. They're trying to get early ball to Jet. They're trying to get early build a guild up to sort of see what they can do. So that's encouraging. Yeah. Um, and another one coming back will be Kelma. Thank God, because he's been one of our better ones to start the year again. So we're getting some of our maybe more informed players back, which is, which is pleasing. No, definitely. And I, I 100% agree. And look, I said it last week that... I could tell you pretty quickly when we were playing the Warriors, if I was basically going to wash my hands of the Tigers. I can say that I'm not going to wash my hands of the Tigers just yet. I think we showed enough in that game, regardless of what happened um, and regardless of the fact I said at the start of this pod, let's blow the place up. Um, But this for me... This will be the game that makes or breaks us. And I said that last week, but I don't think it completely broke us. I think it's with a couple of cracks and uh, the ship is sinking, but it's not sunk. We can still plug those holes and we can still scoop out the water. So um, if we don't show up and, you know, it's not about performing anymore. If we don't show up and win, we can pretty much write this season off. And I think Maguire will be showing the door. Yeah, I think we already have written the season off in a lot of ways, and it's probably premature, but I agree. I think 
that we just need a, a win. Yeah. The club it. just needs a win. Like the club needs to prove, forget us, the club needs us as supporters. The club needs to prove to themselves, the players need to prove to themselves that they can still win football games. Yeah. You know, the Warriors fell over, ass backwards into points last week. Yeah. And even Nathan Brown actually said that on the radio too. Yeah. Yeah. He said, and you, and you know, you, you know, you're doing it rough when you give yourself every opportunity in the world and you, you lose the game. Like we lost that game. Oh, it's yeah. a bit of a cliche to say they didn't win. We lost it, but it's a hundred true. It's a hundred yeah. true. They did not win that game. We lost it. Yeah. So, and that's you know that's that Luciano no try decision aside. You know, this is what this is what happens. That those sorts of those sorts of things, those sorts of things, don't even come into discussion because. We had that many opportunities. It wasn't even funny. We should have been far better than it. We've been talking for an hour and that's the first time we brought that up. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and I don't really, really want to harp on it because it is what it is. Everybody saw it and everybody agrees. And as we mentioned before the pod, you know, the referee himself has since come out afterwards and was pretty up, pretty upset about the decision, the decision that he made. So uh, every man and their dog knows that, why that do you was have to error? the bloody Tigers? Why can't you make it against someone else? Yeah, well, it's a um, it's a fair argument, but yeah, yeah. This week though, we got the Gold Coast Thursday night. So last week we played on a Friday in the first game, and that allowed us to feel like shit for just about the entire weekend. We got the benefit this week of um, <laughs> if we if we get a repeat dose. Not only will we feel disgraceful for the entire weekend, but we get to throw Friday in there. So we get a long weekend of feeling like shit. Yeah. Uh, but of course, that's not going to happen, Toby, because the Tigers are going to win what? The wooden spoon. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is Tiger Town Pod, mate. We're positive over here. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out too that it's taken you four rounds, but you finally said shit in this podcast. That's how much the Tigers are beating you down. Yeah, I think I've actually said it three or four times in this podcast and uh, far be it from me to be a a potty mouth in public. So apologies, listeners. We're trying to keep this reasonably PG. So I do uh, something. This is is what they do to us. Uh, But it comes from a good place, believe me. So, yeah, we've got the Titans, mate, uh, 7 o'clock on Thursday. Going to be a tough game up at Seabus. Yeah, so... Uh, Asako's taken uh, Campbell's spot. So Campbell's yeah. out. Uh, Jermaine Asako moved down there. I think it was just this week. or No, last week because he went down with Canberra to Canberra. Um, and there is talks that AJ Brimson might be out. Uh, I heard something about that. I haven't seen a lot, but obviously it's usually kept pretty under wraps. So, yeah, geez, so that'd yeah. be a big out for them. Yeah. So if that happens, you'd like to think that um, probably Will Smith would go in there and yeah, maybe Esau Masters comes on or Jared Wallace comes onto the bench, but um, that would be their play, wouldn't it? You'd say that Smith had come into five eight and Sexton would still play half. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say yep. so. I'd say they'd probably be training like that as well. Yeah. Um, for me, the Titans have a danger man that a lot of people don't bring up, and for me, that's Aaron Clark, their hooker. He is just tough. He has great pass from the ground. He is so quick out of dummy half and he just doesn't get enough wraps that he deserves. So if we can shut him down, 
I think we're going to go a long way to winning this game. Obviously, you've got your Fafitas, you've got your Tinos and all that stuff. But if he can't give them early ball, if he can't give their outside backs early ball, if we can shut him down, I think that's going to go a long way for us winning that game. Yeah. Well, to the earlier point, talk about Little doing such a good job out of hooker, bringing, bringing forwards over the advantage line. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure. I haven't watched enough of Clark to know, but that is a big danger if he does that as well with no. the likes of Tino yep. and with the likes of Fafita. If he can get them over the advantage line in that way, then that's going to present a big problem. Um, if we can stifle Clark and rush him out of marker and yep. stop him getting getting those bigger guys, those more mobile talented fellas over that advantage line, that might put us in in better stead, maybe to be able to halt their progress a little bit more. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, I think that's going to come down to that line speed. That's going to come down to that marker defense, you know, no lazy markers, nothing like that. Cause who was, I think again, it was safe path. Just he, there was a couple of times, very lazy out of marker, just stood there. Didn't really push. Like, I don't want to see any of that. If we, if we man out of, if we man up and we mark up, that's going to go a long way to us winning that game. But again, I I put this out there. I think we've forgotten how to win. Yeah. We haven't like, if this is this, uh, we're on a six game losing streak dating back to last year. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be, if we keep going, it's gone into seven and gets to the point, the longer you lose, the harder you find it to win because you just forget how. And yeah. this, we just need to win. Like, I don't care if we, you know, uh, scratch and pull our way there. I just want to win. So. Yeah, I agree. And I think our our club and our supporters need to win. That's what we're crying out for. We don't care how we get there. No. We're, we're due something like the Warriors managed to pull off last week, and that's uh, not play our best, but still end up with two points. Over, and Over the line. Yeah. And, you know, whether it happens or not this week, Gold Coast looks solid. They're a dangerous team, but they are not unbeatable. I don't think we've seen really what we're capable of doing when we string it all together. So let's hope that we do that this week. And yeah, let's hope that we're a little bit more positive and upbeat. Um, next week. <laughs> next Tuesday. What's that? We're a little bit more positive and upbeat next Tuesday. That would be great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we, we keep talking about wanting effort. I think that, you know, that, that will be nice, but if we can see that W, that'll go a long way to making our weekends or our long weekends feel a little bit nicer this week. Exactly. And that's, yeah, that's all we want. That's all we want as supporters is just show some effort and win a game. Guys, if you're listening, this club's going through a really hard time. It has been for a long time. And the, the thing that I just want to pass on is that we get it. You know, the other supporters, for the most part, understand it's... <laughs> It's rough. You know, I know I know grown men that have, you know, gotten in touch with tears in their eyes because they love this club so much and they, they're at pains to try to figure out what's going on. So, you know, if, if you're feeling as though this club is sliding, you know, slicing years off your life, I hate to tell you, it probably is. But yeah. just, just know that you're not the only one and that there is such a, a giant army of Tiger supporters out there just willing, willing this side to get it together uh, and march forward into the future. And and I, we we know, we hope they will, and we know they will, I think, in a lot of ways, but 
just stick solid. I know it's hard. Toby and I, you know, we threaten to throw it in all the time, but oh, you know, yeah. deep, deep down we know we never will. And, no. um, you know, they, the boys will come good, hopefully sooner rather than later. But um, starts with the Titans this week at um, Seabus Stadium on Thursday, yep. 7 p.m. local time. So get in and watch it. If you're around the area, try to get out and support as best you can. The guys are struggling. The team is struggling. They need as much support as they can get, and that's only going to boost performance. So fingers crossed. Toby, lovely talking to you. Always, always looking forward to next week, hopefully with a, a big W next to us. Yeah, most definitely, mate. Go the Tigers. Go the Tigers. Thanks, mate.